I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Hello. Hello. I was trying to think whether I should say good evening or good morning. I was going to say happy burperl. Happy burperl. Yes. I am doing yeah. burperl this year, which is not anything to do with burping. It's to do with burpees. Uh, Kaneko yeah. invited me to do this thing where I have to do 100 burpees every day for every day in April. And today is day one. And I knew it was going to be bad, but it was worse. So, yeah. I was also invited, and then I graciously invited him to unsubscribe me from his <laughs> invitation. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. I Actually, I tried to do it last year. I mean, it's no joke, like total credit to anyone who's doing it. I tried to do it last year and maybe did like two or three days, and then like I was so sore I think that third or fourth day, like I felt like I kind of tweaked my shoulder a bit, and I was like, I, I can't do that. Uh, let's let's see how I go. You could back the numbers off too. Like I don't feel like you have to do like a hundred. Like you could yeah. find something reasonable for yourself. Like that's still a challenge, but like I think a hundred's pretty hardcore just to do out of nowhere. Like yeah, even if you could just do one day out of nowhere, a hundred. Like geez. Well, I did kind of like I started off doing like proper burpees, but by the end of the day, I wasn't doing the push-up part, so I was doing like a. I don't know. There's a CrossFit burpee and a normal burpee. I don't know, but yeah. Oh, I got you. I did kind of make it a bit easier on myself so that I could actually do the full hundred. (laughs) Yeah. See, I'm the other way around. I would, I would actually lessen the numbers so I had like good form, you know. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what you're supposed to do. To each their own. (laughs) Well, congratulations. Good luck. Thank you. Talk to me in five days. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, in terms of trying to tie that into a topic. That is me refactoring my body. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Nice. That's a really big stretch, but yeah. I, I, You know what? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. it. It is kind of a stretch because you're not supposed to change like the external, you know, this is behavior, true. the outward facing. And I, I feel like with burpees, you would hopefully, you know, maybe get a little little tone, little definition, maybe. Yeah, a little, that's maybe a good point. Ripped, you know, depending on who you are. So like you're definitely going to change your external, you know, look and feel. Yeah, I think a lot of people, myself included, often forget that like refactoring, like proper refactoring, you don't change externally like how it works. You're only changing the yeah. internal. So it's not like if you're redesigning your dashboard to look completely different that you're refactoring it. It's like, no, you're redesigning it. Yeah, there should be like no quote unquote visible change. Yeah. Now, I think I think the exception there in my mind would be obviously performance like maybe you do refactor something and it still like behaves and and functions the exact same way right but maybe it maybe it's maybe it's more performant this is true and like obviously it's easy to maintain and all the other things like there are reasons why you refactor otherwise what's the point in just changing the code for no benefit yeah so yeah i think a lot of i totally agree i think a lot of times especially i I know i did when i was younger i would you know when i learned about refactoring you know the word i would i would say it all the time you know but most of the time i meant like i was i was rebuilding something you know i was reworking something yeah you know i was using a new technology and i was adding cool features but i would say you know refactoring and now future jmac laughs at me yeah i'm guessing the name has like history and like maths or something like most computer terms we'll look it up we should look it up like factoring you know factor i don't don't know. know I feel like it's just a made-up word that sounds good to make you think it was math. 
<laughs> we should we should check it out. We should check it out real quick. All right. Okay, so I'm on the Wikipedia page now, and yes, code refactoring, just for clarification on Wikipedia, uh, is the process of restructuring existing code, changing the factoring, is what they call it, kind of to your point. But when they say factoring, they mean it in a computer science sense for decomposition which is also known as factoring, is breaking a complex problem or system into parts that are easier to conceive, understand, program, and maintain. And it looks like it was first discussed by William Griswold in a dissertation in 1991 and followed by William Opdykes in 92, and then Martin Fowler's book has been the canonical reference. Okay. So there we go. There's the complete history. We'll link the whole thing <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think kind of going back to what we were saying, the restructuring of existing code without changing its external behavior. So I think definitely nailed that part. And then, yeah, factoring, not so much in the mathematical sense, but in the computer science decomposition sense. Break it down. Fair enough. So you're speaking of like nice. decomposition. Yeah. That makes me think of like when you create abstractions for things. Because one of the things mm -hmm. that is good to do in refactoring is to, you know, look for repeated patterns and then create abstractions. So I wonder if, if decomposition has anything to do with like basically pulling things apart into those bits. I don't know. Or is it like decomposition in a different way? Yeah, that I feel like that could be a whole other search. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, breaking a system down into its parts to easier conceive, understand, program, or maintain is their definition of decomposition or factoring. Yeah, because we've talked about rule of three before, mm -hmm. where you write the code that works, and then you kind of live with it for a while until you you know, run into a few more cases where you need that same code, and you duplicate it sure. each time. And each time you do that, you learn more about the problem so that then you can actually create an abstraction that solves for those three cases rather than doing an early abstraction. And then the second case comes along and you're like, oh, I didn't really think about that. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like intuitively for me, like my gut reaction to abstraction and decomposition is is almost that they would kind of be opposites just by like if you're breaking down the word itself, like decomp versus abstract. For some reason, those feel like opposite things to me, like okay. from a, like a word, mm -hmm. like perspective. But I do agree. They're I think in the end, from a computer science perspective, they are kind of the same thing. Like you're breaking it down, or you're splitting it up potentially into different things. But yeah, I think I think rule of three definitely plays very heavily into their like you know you don't want to do any kind of premature abstractions, which we covered big time in a previous podcast. So we'll we'll kind of punt to that and link it in the show notes but gosh that was way back like episode three or four probably five six somewhere yeah. in there one of the very early episodes yep we'll defer to that all right so let's talk about some techniques for refactoring that yeah because recently we've been doing some refactoring on the shift code base oh yes yes uh, which we've also spoken about because you know now that i'm working in there some of the a, some growing pains i guess and so we're taking the opportunity to refactor which I really enjoy because it's one way of learning more about a system. So if you're, you know, coming into a new code base, writing tests for that code base is a good way to, you know, get to grips with the code base, but also refactoring bits of it as well can also help. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so I've definitely been living with some pain inside of the shift code base. And since it was just me, you know, I knew the pain. I knew how to work around it. So it it wasn't that painful for me anymore, you know. Like, I knew it was there. It's just kind of like a little itch. But I kind of knew, like, don't scratch it, you know. (laughs) Don't mess with it. So, but yeah, now that you're involved, it's a little more obvious. And you're kind of like, yo, what what's that thing like yeah that's weird (laughs) and so the other thing kind of as as kind of a tangent is like I used to do when I worked on the extreme programming team every now and then when I would pair with uh, another Jason actually which is kind of the origin of or one of the reasons why I you know have the nickname JMac is because I always seem to work with other Jasons but when I was pairing with the other Jason sometimes if it were Friday and we just didn't like the way the code was turning out and we were in a nice green state, we would spend some time refactoring the code and making it easier to kind of crank out the next story. And that was just like so much fun to kind of do, not just the refactoring to your point, but also like together in a way to get mm-hmm. someone else's opinion on it. And I, I missed that. And I kind of tried to recreate that with some live streams a while back. And, you know, it was good. It was still fun, but I don't, I don't have that kind of time anymore. So it was really fun to get together with you and kind of knowing that we wanted to work on these and kind of clean it up finally yeah it's it is a really good feeling like it's like when you clean your house like like the feeling you get from having something that's now more tidied more organized i don't know i get a kick out of it yeah it helps things feel a little more complete you know software is kind of like always undone in a way so just to make it feel a little less chaotic on occasion is is definitely nice so and yeah it's it's spring here so yeah a little spring cleaning spring cleaning there you go i do like to to that point though i do like with shift especially i do like to do that at least once a month regardless like we talked about this too but i always go back and still like if i get support tickets on even the Laravel 5.0 shift, like I still go back and clean some of that up. I'll go back mm. and tweak it. So I always had kind of like a bug squashing, you know, clean up day anyway in the month. So yeah, but it's been good to make that like strictly refactoring. And that's maybe the next point I want to talk about is like, you know, when you get in there, it is intoxicating, right? Like you're like, oh, oh, I, I want to fix this too. And I want to yeah. fix that. And I want to, and I want to abstract, you know, maybe I want to abstract this. And, and then you kind of start, forgetting those rule of threes and the pain points you just kind of get excited that you're cleaning everything up finally you really got to check that in my opinion i think you got to go in and be really really focused so like the other day we were kind of tired of these snake case names right we had mentioned that like i had a bunch of snake case functions they were originally functions then they got rolled into a class and i just copy pasted and i I didn't i didn't mess with the names or the, the parameters or anything and there was even some dead code in there, you know, that I just didn't know because it's all behind the facade. So it's a little hard to tell, like, am I actually using that or not, even with a IDE. So, you know, the goal was renaming them, but there were a few times where we were like, oh, let, you know, this would be good. Let's go ahead and move this and let's have this do this instead. And, you know, we kind of had to be like, no, we're just renaming right now. We're just going top to bottom in this class and we're just renaming. That's it. Yeah, I do like, though, that, like, in this case, we not only change the case, because, like, at the end of the day, you know, snake case, camel case, whatever, but we inspected what the methods were doing and then decided whether or not the method name that it had actually represented what it was doing, whether it communicated it properly. So I found that really valuable because I learned a lot more about what, you know, some of the methods, what their intention is by coming up with better names for them. 
Well, and we even saw some overlap or yeah to your point some asymmetry like one of them was like replace and file and then the other one was like replace files and it was like which one does what you know yeah and they were really doing the same thing but one just kind of handled a collection and the other one was a singular version of it yeah but it gave us ideas for even more refactoring later which is nice but again you just got to be disciplined to say that's the next iteration yeah that's that razor thin edge between like refactoring and rebuilding kind of too, right? Like, yeah. I feel like refactoring by nature is a much more iterative thing. Like even though we were armed with tests, I didn't want to change too much at a time either because I know not everything is tested. So, you know, it's pretty obvious when you rename a method, if that name is broken, PHP is going to spit out an error. But like if I go and change arguments or start changing functionality or start having two methods become one and then I miss a spot now it's a little different right and plus on top of all that there's there's customers involved it's not like it's just you and me using this thing so like that's more support tickets or someone's getting a bad experience and it's just I want to be careful yeah I think breaking it into those like smaller like the most discrete chunks you can really like you know and then creating atomic commits around it so change one thing rerun the test suite everything's good you know we can commit that and then we can do the next bit and so on and so forth so that we don't end up getting so far down realizing something's broken and then having to backtrack our way back through and go where did we actually break that like which thing was that yeah um and having a test suite is is key to that like i if i was working on a project that and i wanted to refactor it and it didn't have tests i'd probably want to start writing tests before i start refactoring it yeah for sure i'd be just too scared otherwise yeah i think that's another good point of like refactoring i think if you really want to get very very strict about it like you you actually have to have a test suite i think it was feathers that said anything that doesn't have a test suite's basically like a legacy application it's legacy code like you Mm. you can't actually work with that code right not effectively anyway so so yeah totally agree with that it was nice to be able to have that you know, we could just run the test suite that we did have and see that everything was still green. You know, we were going green to green as far as the refactoring stage. And static analysis tools can help with that as well. Because when you rename things, if you're using like your IDE to do the renaming or if you like whatever method you're using, there can be cases where you miss something, right? So having that combination of tests and static analysis, I don't know, to me it like... It reduces the risk significantly. Yeah, like if you were strictly renaming, you could use PHP Storm, for example, is what I use. You could use its inspection tools to find like undefined methods or undefined classes, depending on what you're renaming. Like you could use some of their undefined inspections yeah. to, to sniff out that code and, and help you out a little bit. Now, again, the shift thing was, was just a little more complicated because it was behind this facade. So it was a little hard. It's a little hard for PHP Storm to make that kind of you know, dynamic leap, but there's ways to configure it. I'm sure we could have looked it up and figured it out. And if you're doing anything like, you know, too clever with, you know, creating method names by concatenating things together and calling, you know, call user funk and Mm. all those sorts of things. Yeah. Like relying on magic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And even things that use kind of, you know, like a stringy API, like, you know, if using mockery and you've got a should receive and then you're putting the method name, the method name in that case is a string version of the method name. And so I'm yeah. guessing that's probably, you know, invisible to PHP Storm. And depending on what rename you're using, if you're, you know, trying to rename the method and you're looking for anything that's got the opening bracket straight after it, it'll miss that one. The good thing is, though, in that case, that's in a test. So that's going to break 
and you know, yeah. show that it's broken. But there's there's potentially other cases where that wouldn't happen. Which is another reason why having those tests are important because they kind of they check the harmony between everything, right? The whole system, like yeah. the tests are included in that system, and you want to make sure it's all in balance, right? Yeah. So there was something interesting that we stumbled upon too, and this is something I talked about in base code, but I thought it was a nice kind of recap in a way. And I remember us having a quick discussion about it. And in fact, I put some of this stuff in the shift newsletter, you know, kind of the, I have this like weekly journal section in the shift newsletter. And I talked about doing some of this refactoring and someone had replied and basically said, oh, hey, would these be better names, you know, for that method, right? And I know we talked about this when we were refactoring. And I think something that maybe I didn't mention in base code, as far as the naming bits, were maybe how I like to leverage parameter names as well. Like I know I talked very much on the context, you know, using context to give you everything in the name. Like you don't, there's an upper limit to making a name. You don't want to make it like too verbose, right? Yeah, you don't want to like repeat the... The class name in the method name, for example, like invoice, yeah. send invoice kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. There's there's things you can infer from the context. So like if you're calling something, yeah, exactly, through a class or even through an object, then the variable name of that object gives you a little context. You know, the, the method name, of course, itself gives you probably the most context. And then even the parameters, though, can also give you some context of what's yeah. happening. So I think in this case, the example was we were trying to rename like this find method. Like there's a very generic search that we can do to find files that have certain terms or code snippets or whatever in them or even a pattern, right? You know, I was just like, hey, this is find. This is just the find. You know, there was enough context for me as kind of the original author to simply just call that find. Mm-hmm. And you were kind of saying, well, that that's not really enough, which I totally agreed with. Again, as the original author, I didn't see that to someone else, there might just need to be a bit more context there of like, what are we finding, right? Yeah. So it was like find files, right? Which then I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like that's that's enough. But then you're kind of like find files containing, you know, <laughs> string. Like you were like find files containing string, you know, with whatever. And it yeah. start, then that's where it starts to get a little too far for me. So in this example, we ultimately landed on find files containing and I felt like that was good enough because this one exemplified that the parameter, the first parameter in there, is likely going to be something called term or keyword or, you know, search or whatever it is, right? Or, or even just if you just simply even call it string, when you read that together, right, yeah. you're going to have find files containing string already. So find yeah. files containing string string is a little bit weird to me, right? Yeah. Or it's redundant. It's not weird. Yeah, I agree. So I think that was kind of the extra example that I remember from refactoring that day that I thought was kind of nice and wanted to make sure to, to share. And again, I put it in the shift newsletter that I send out, you know, to kind of the shifters. And, you know, some people, too, were coming back just like you and saying, oh, well, you know, you could also make it this and you could also make this. And all, all great points. But I think they were discounting the context you receive potentially from parameters. And I think this is something that I picked up from objective C, which kind of has like named parameters, if you will, and they even kind of carry that on as a sentence. So mm-hmm. like, for example, in their string class, they have like 
characters at index starting after offset kind of thing <laughs> like it you know what i mean like and then you you pass index and you pass offset right and yeah it's, it's very obvious you can just read that and i i really enjoyed that when i wrote objective c but now now with php 8 you can actually start to name your arguments yeah so you potentially if you have kind of a you know a very attic bit of arguments and you want to kind of change those or, or send just some of them or skip the, you know, non-required arguments and then pass maybe like a fifth argument, right? Now you're going to be able to start naming those. So all the more reason to not necessarily repeat that context in your method names. Yeah. Great. Sweet. Well, yeah, other than that, I so far it seemed like it was a successful refactor. You know, we pushed it out there. That was the other thing. Everything was green. But then the second thing was we pushed it out there and we're going to let it just kind of marinate for a little bit and we'll do another refactor friday on tuesday yeah sounds good so i think as far as the podcast we've only done six episodes normally we like to do eight or ten but as you can probably tell we ran a little dry on topics in the middle there so i think what we'll do is maybe pause and what i think makes sense is let's wait for maybe some kind of topic to really get into to maybe finish out this quote-unquote season so we're going to take a little break and Maybe like when Octane is out and, you know, ready to look at a little more or something, if that's interesting, we can um, focus on that or, or something along those lines. Yeah, I think, you know, more more current events kind of things, you know, new things yeah. in PHP, all that sort of stuff. Something where the theme's a little, a little more... Um, a little more continuity between each episode. I think mm-hmm. I think this jumped around. And, and while it was fun individually, I, I worry the listener might have felt a little whiplashy. So <laughs> compared to the previous seasons. Yeah. So we'll be back with more of those in a couple months. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Cool. All right. See you. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 36.